What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to another episode of the JJ and the Bear podcast. I almost called that BJ and the Bear there, but I actually am JJ. That's Josh Bear Norris. Howdy. We're coming to you from, uh, from Minneapolis. We uh, have woken up after a, a, a wonderfully long, busy day of the Futures game. Unfortunately, we're not joined by John Manuel and Ben Badler, both of whom were also here at the Futures game for, for Baseball America. but Who foolishly booked early flights like suckers. In, in, in Josh's case, I mean, in John's case, a, uh, a 7 a.m., which... Fa- like, followed by a five-hour drive from Baltimore <laughs> back to Durham, which he'll still beat me back home. Because yeah. I get it at midnight. We're flying a little later, so that gives us the ability to talk about the Futures game. Sorry we were going to record this last night, but by the time we got back to the hotel room at midnight, we wanted to have the more energy than we'd have been able to provide then. But I'll, I'll start with you, Josh. So this is uh, Futures game number two for you, I believe? Yeah, two. And what did you think? I don't think it's ever going to be topped, quite frankly. I mean... You came for the Joey Gallo show, and you got the Joey Gallo show, and then an encore in the Joey Gallo show, and he broke a truck. And and, and he, co-starring Javier Baez. Yeah, Javier Baez is cool, too, but Joey Gallo was, was the entree. Javier Baez, he was, he was very good, too. That was my first exposure to Javier Baez, and yeah, hanger or no, taking Lucas Giolito opposite field into the very high upper deck of uh, Target Field was really Not impressive. Upper deck. Well, I'm saying that you have to get yeah, to climb the big wall. That's the first deck, right? Still. You have to climb the There's big wall. There's a deck on top of to it. To get it out, you have to climb a big wall, basically. Right. And uh, Lucas Giolito, after the game, did say, "Is like, yeah, I didn't get that pit down as much as I wanted, but uh, not used to guys being able to do that. You know, I mean, most guys would have maybe said, okay, I can, I can line that for a single, maybe a double. Baez, Oppo, home run. Yeah, that's that's something pretty special." But we saw a lot of pretty special yesterday. It was uh, another U.S. win. Not that anyone really remembers those, but the reality is, is the U.S. has won the last uh, three of these, I believe. I think it's five. five. Francisco Lindor is now 0 for 3 in uh, Futures games. So, bust? Yeah, no. No? <laughs> no. But, uh, uh, but it is something where you know the U.S. won again, and... And really, we're going to go through, uh, you know, a lot of players and kind of what we what we saw and what, you know, we've talked to a couple of scouts about, you know, what they saw and all. It, it does seem like the overarching themes to, to start with were that uh, Gallo, everyone expected Gallo to put on a show, especially in BP. And Joey Gallo lived up to that expectation in every possible way in BP. Um I felt sorry. Jesse Winker was hitting in front of him, and Jesse Winker has a great swing, and he has some power. He's won the home run derby in the Midwest League last All Star game last year, and the Cal Carolina League All Star game this year. And Jesse Winker looked with Gallo coming after him when he hit the ball, you know, and was cranking it. It looked like, oh, you know, look, you know, now we have the kid doing it, and then we have the man coming up behind him because. I'll hope to have before uh, before the end of Monday a kind of a plot of, of where all the second deck and all the longest home runs from BP went. Just so that also, if you're watching the home run derby tonight, you can compare like, okay, so where did Stanton's home runs go compared to Gallo's, or where did you know Stanton's home runs go compared to Baez, and, and all that. And Gallo's home runs were 
I, you know, this is, uh, I, I think this is four Futures games for me. And it's hard to, uh, it's hard to kind of transpose between different stadiums. But, uh, you know, Jock Peterson put on a show last year. Um, and, uh, you know, Gregory Polanco hit some long ones. Carlos Correa's hit some long ones. But, but really nothing that I, it seemed like to me nothing like what really Baez and Gallo did today, yesterday. I, I, I mean, Gallo, I, I, don't, I don't understand how a human is capable of doing what he did consistently and effortlessly and at will. After after the game, he we talked about the BP session, and he said something to the effect of, "Well, I could hear the fans cheering for me, so I figured I'd kept hitting them out. I'd keep hitting them out, which is bold and cocky and all sorts of wonderful." <laughs> and and I was a little slightly concerned in a you know just from a selfish kind of standpoint going into it. We've seen Joey Gallo take BP this year uh, before games that was can only be described as a, a very, quote, professional BP where he worked on lining the ball to the opposite field and hitting the ball up the middle. And, and you know, we had one in Winston-Salem where I think he hit, like, one ball out. It, were, it was it was fine, but it was nothing like what we've seen from Joey Gallo in previous BPs we've seen. But then when game time came, he cranked two. Right. <laughs> and I think that's good for the Rangers that Joey Gallo has these professional BPs now where he really is trying to make sure that he stays in himself and, and all those things. I was very excited. It's the Futures game. It's an all-star game. They had let the crowd in. Not, that always doesn't always happen, but the, you know the fans were allowed to be in for the U.S. BP. And so some of them got to see Gallo. And you could hear, I mean... BP is not something that you hear a lot of cheering during in normally, but you did hear some cheering going on when Gallo cause, and gasped because mm-hmm. he hit the truck and then he still had a couple of rounds left to go, which kind of got everyone's attention. Let's let's clarify the truck. The truck was a red pickup on way way deep on the right field concourse, which, if I'm correct, is meant for the winner of the actual home run derby. I think so. So what he's done is maybe broken the window of Yasiel Puig's or Giancarlo Stanton's new truck. Yeah. Good for him. Announce his presence with authority. I, I did love him talking after the game where he's like, I hit someone's car in Asheville, and I really felt bad about it, because that was their actual car, but this one's for show, so I don't feel as bad about this. Yeah, I don't think Chevrolet had any, uh, you know, was upset in any way that this car got uh, a windshield destroyed on it, because... You it got, was advertising for Chevy. Yeah, our windshields crack. Yeah. Our, our windshields can't, you know, sustain the uh, not gallo proof. Yeah, which there are no windshields that are gallo proof. Maybe, maybe like an airliner or something that's you know armed against bird strikes. Careful. Yeah, but uh, but so okay, we gallo. We could talk about gallo forever. I, I do want to talk about Javier Baez because again, if you said who was the hitter, who people, who scouts came out talking most about not named Joey Gallo. I think Baez was the guy. Baez has not had a great year. Um, He's been much better lately. But he has shown kind of that his approach needs a lot of uh, mature. He needs to mature. His approach has to mature. Right now, in games, in AAA, Baez is very vulnerable to chasing stuff off the plate, to the, you know, especially away. Especially, don't throw him a fastball. I mean, there's not a fastball you're going to get by him. But in AAA, he's facing a lot of guys who are older and know that they're not going to throw a fastball by Javi Baez. And so 
they're quite happy to go change up, change up slider, change up slider, change up slider, and just see because Baez at two strikes is still swinging from the heels just like he does when there's you know when it's oh you know one zero or two zero. But so yesterday was in some ways a great situation for Javi Baez because you he was facing a lot of guys who throw really hard and are going to go out there and, and let it rip, and he went out first in BP and showed Baez's bat speed. Uh, did it jump out to you? I mean, I know you were shooting video, but his bat speed is... I didn't see another guy out there that his bat speed come close to comparing to what Baez's bat speed No, that, that's fair. What did jump out to me was the handsiness and the legsiness of the, the whole swing mechanic. It's not mechanic. quiet. It's not quiet at all. It's, it's like a, a mega... It's like a, a, a bullhorn as compared to a real quiet swing. And I think that's why he's going to be vulnerable. But I think part of that... I get with you that the leg, you know, still got a little bit of a leg kick, and that can be some timing issues and all. I do think, just like Gary Sheffield, with the hands, there's always going to be, at least until he's older and his bat speed is slowed down, he actually has to have some kind of thing to actually slow his bat down. And by, what I mean by that is, is he has kind of a little bit of a, you know, a more exaggerated, like, the, the point, he doesn't go completely Sheffield point the bat, you know, where he tips the bat at the pitcher and then, but it's, there's some of that there, but Gary Sheffield, I've talked to someone who talked to Gary Sheffield about that. And he said, no, I had to put that in because I was finding that I was too quick. I was too fast. Like I would see it. I would react. I'd swing. And if I didn't do that, I was always getting through the zone too quickly. And I wasn't making solid contact. So he added that. I do think with Baez, you're going to have to see some of that handsiness is going to have to stay there to get to the ball, to actually slow him down to mere mortal, you know, standards as far as reaching the ball, re- react to hit. But I do see what you're saying about from the lower body half that there is some issues there because it is making it a little harder to time things. And again, especially when you're vulnerable to off-speed pitches as he is right now. I had a scout who kind of put it to me that he said, you know, the bias is one of the guys who really stood out. The other thing that stood out, though, is you do not want to push Baez very quickly. You know, he's in AAA right now this year. This scout thought that he should spend a good bit of time next year in AAA because if he comes up before too long, he's going to hit homers, but you're you're not going to get – he's going to really struggle at times because of, of, again, what we just talked about, some of the issues he has with strikeouts because of his approach issues and all that. He thought that he needs to spend a lot of time at AAA to get to that point where – Okay, he understands that. You know, he he has a better approach. Pitch. You know, the, this the AAA is a perfect situation for him. From a, uh, he's getting the exact kind of pitcher, the the less velo, more precise, more control type pitcher. That's what he needs to face. Your your crafty vets. Yes. Uh, and I think that's a good problem to have because obviously you have a guy there in, St- in Starlin Castro who's not a stopgap by any means. No, he's okay. So you've got and you've got, you've got time. other options too. Yeah, you've you've got time, and you've got Arismendi Alcantara if you need him over there in a pinch, and if Addison Russell really jumps up, uh, you have him soon. So you have you have options if you need to keep Javier Baez cooking in AAA. No, it it's. It it is you know they they have they have plenty of options. Um, I I do look at uh, uh you know but but Baez was the guy who really stood out. I, I guess I'll we'll kind of go we'll ping pong this for a little while. Who was another guy who stood out to you, hitter or pitcher? Uh, Dalton Pompey caught my eye a little bit just because he had two hits 
and he squared really high velocity. He got 95 from Giolito, and he squared it, and he got 98 from Stevenson, and he squared it for a hit. So that's a guy I, you know, I knew was he jumped up the boards all year, but I, I wouldn't be able to pick him out on the street. And he got two hits and <laughs> two really good fastballs on a world stage. And on base skills, really good defender and center. Uh, you just you put it all together, and he's he's very interesting. I mean, he's dressed up to Double A, and really, if you say, I mean, in a year where several of the Blue Jays kind of long way away prospects have have kind of stubbed their toe, he's a guy who's a little closer who hasn't, and that's in a system that has not produced position players in the last decade. You go back and look, you're pretty much your position players that they've produced are Aaron Hill and, and Adam Lind. Well, Dalton Pompey's kind of looking to, to kind of change that. Uh, I, one guy, you mentioned Stevenson. Stevenson, to me, did jump out from the, uh, a starter with just absolutely you know pure gas. Uh, was up to 98, was one of the hardest throwers at the game. Did show a little bit more effort in his delivery like a, than I expected. It, it seemed like, again, from just down, down low watching him, not a, you know, I'm not a scout, but you saw some kind of some movement in his head as he was throwing. Like it seemed like he had a little, I would call it head whack, maybe a little strong. But I also I talked to him afterwards. And I think the first couple of pitches he may have been uh, a little adrenaline fueled and trying to throw the ball basically through the catcher. Uh, so, but but you did see, you saw kind of the stuff that you'd expected to see from him. Um, Giolito, you mentioned, you know, he gave up a, a single to Pompey and then a home run. Uh, he was a guy who said after the game that he was really too geeked up. He, he came in and he realized the adrenaline just kind of overtook him, and he actually kind of had to go to his changeup so he could kind of calm down. But you, you did see kind of the arm you expected to see from him. You know, you're getting limited looks at all these guys. Alex Meyer came in and didn't get a chance to throw his breaking ball because he threw four pitches and got uh, three outs. Those four pitches were 97, 97, 98, 97, I believe. So it, not bad. Yeah, I mean – as I was saying, another hitter who, again, squared a guy with big velocity was Renato Nunez from the uh, the A's. And he faced Meyer in that four-pitch stretch and took 98, squared it, and pulled it to into uh, to left field, which, again, I had never seen him. I'd read his name in the box score a million times. But here's a guy who jumped out a little bit to me. That not everybody can do that against Alex Meyer. On, on the flip side, Edwin Escobar... That if you said who was the guy who came out of this kind of looking you know, less than you expected, Edwin Escobar... Across, you know, uh, throwing across your body delivery, kind of lower slinger um, with, you know, really not, didn't look like, at least right now, a very fast arm. It, it was not a not a great look at him. Uh, and he obviously, he struggled probably more than any other pitcher in this, in this uh, you know, futures game. But it was not just the results. It was kind of how he got to those results that were a little bit disappointing. You, you kind of hope that he's, he's a little tired right now or whatever, but it, it was not a, not a great look. No, not really. It was again. I'm I'm not a scout either, and I'm just kind of learning to evaluate more or less. But even the arm speed jumped out to me, and that's not a good thing. But I had the, if you want to stay a positive, you know, had that low arm slot, which did give his fastball a lot of movement. That's true. But other than that, he was very pedestrian for me. Uh, other guy, if I was, you know, hey, I don't want to pick on guys, but but Stephen Moya. Um, you know, watching in BP, kind of couldn't figure out what he was trying to do. You know, he was. His, you talk about his lower half, his lower half kind of changed, and I'm not even getting into the couple times he switched over to take some right-handed swings, which was... That was really weird. Like, I, I'm, their, I'm our video guy, obviously, and I took two or three rounds of everybody in BP, and then I saw Moya jump over to right-handed, and I was like, wait a minute, 
what's going on here? And I asked for the bureau lady to show me the roster and left-handed. Like, what are you doing, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he was doing there, but uh, it, he, it was a little bizarre. Um, very bizarre, actually. You know, it was a, a pretty low-scoring game. It was a very crisp game. It yeah. was very well played. There were really no defensive miscues. Uh, Chris Bryant made a nice play to his left uh, late in the game, you know, again showing that, hey, this isn't a guy you're just going to – he may get moved off a of third base because they've got a gazillion infield options, but it's not going to be because he just cannot play third base. But you saw – I think it was a two-hour and 30-minute game. Pitchers went right after hitters. Hitters didn't step out. It was – it was a fun show that way too. It was like a high school game in that ma- in that manner, where it's just like there's no in between dizzy bats or whatever you have in the mind. No, it was boom, boom, boom. Let's keep going. Yeah, really. It was there was no sideshow. They, they wanted to get ready for that all star softball challenge. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't get me started with that. Uh, Rosal Herrera was interesting to me in that his body looked a little bit uh, thinner. A little, he was not as thick as I expected, and his legs kind of were. Speedier legs than I expected. He had small ankles, which I've had scouts tell me is a you know kind of a nice indicator of speed. But he came in the seventh inning, two hits in two at bats, looked pretty good. I mean, again, it was a guy who is showed more of a hit than power, uh, BP or the game. But I was I was pleasantly surprised with it. It was a very uh, impressive performance to me from him. Um, Julio Urias. I think that was the other guy we haven't talked about who really stood out. Yeah, he was, ooh, he blew my doors off. That was a man. I mean, there was a little bit of an adjustment period to get in there. He looks like he's, oh, I'm here on the world stage. I'm a little nervous. And then he realized who he was. And he started pumping 95 with authority, dotting corners, bringing a big old hook. And these guys had no chance against him. Late tilt, late tilt on that, on that slider. I mean, it was... And he's 17. Yes. I, again... I, we've talked about on here before that with a pitcher, I don't know if you give as much credit for being young because a lot of times, no, this is, I, mean, I don't know if you're projecting with Urias, but because this is what he is, but this is what he is is really good. I mean, we have, uh, we've kind of come up lately with a, a, a tobacco problem in baseball. He can't buy any yes. yet. Is it 17 or 18? Yeah, I, I think it's 18. 18. Yeah. Um, uh, along those lines, uh, you know, we saw Urias. I gotta ask you about Luis Severino because that's one of your that's you know, my boy your, one of your Yankees guys that you follow closely. That's my boy. Um, he was he wasn't as hard as I see him throw, but he was very very good. I mean, on the one hand, it doesn't take a whole lot to strike out Joey Gallo, but you struck out Joey Gallo. Jo- Joey Gallo can be struck out. Yes, it's not <laughs> like you say, "Wow, you're the only guy who's ever done that." But that's it's not still like striking is, out Tony Gwynn. But you still know that like he could also. Kill the ball. I mean, so yeah, and he got not. He didn't get him to swing and miss. He got him to look at a, a slider that just went from his from his shoulders to the to the strike zone very quickly, and he gave up a double. But he was he was exactly what as as as, uh, as advertised. Big hard fastball, good slider, really good changeup. He was impressive. And Domingo Herman. Domingo Herman was the next guy I was going to bring up. There's a guy who I guarantee you nobody in that futures game. People probably thought he was a throw in, but no. You watch him in. If you to watch him in Greensboro, if you're lucky enough like us to get to see him in Greensboro two or three times, you know what he can bring: 94 to 96 gas with a pretty good changeup and a. I think he calls it a curveball, but it looks like a slider. And whatever it was, it got again. It got Joey Gallo to strike out. It got Chris Bryant to strike out, and it got Chris DJ Peterson out. Round out, I think. Uh, that's all he said was out. Yeah. DJ Peterson out. Yeah, and 
No, it, it was like when Herman came in second inning. Here you go, Domingo. Here's the ball. Okay, your first two batters you're going to face are Chris Bryant and Joey Gallo. Let's go at them. They have 62 home runs combined this year. Enjoy. And he did it. I mean, that's – and really, you know, if you're, if you're a competitor, that was kind of in some ways the perfect situation because you go out there and you, you get to prove against the best, you know, what you can do. It, it was impressive. I mean, here, here's what he went. 94 fastball, ball. 94 fastball, strike. 94 fastball, ball. 94 fastball, ball. 95 fastball, fouled off. 95 fastball, swing and a miss to Bryant. To Gallo. 96 foul ball. 96 foul ball, or swing and a miss. 96 foul ball. 84 slider, ball, 83 slider, swing and a miss. Good night. That's, that is, you're not going to complain about that. You know, if you're the Marlins, you're going to be pretty excited. Cause it, it, it's a system that is still pitching dominated, and that's a, another guy to definitely, you know, keep an eye on. And, I mean, I don't know how many Marlins fans knew about him. He spent five years in either complex ball or uh, short season Staten, not Staten Island, New York Penn League. Uh, again, this is a reminder of how, to me, the rules on the rule on the how what level guys have to be protected for the rule five is kind of uh, a little bit out of whack. In that, there's if a guy signed as 16 year old out of the Dominican, you get you know five years. You know, and if you're a college guy signed as a 22 year old out of a senior year of college, they can protect you for four years. I mean, it's. Those, those are two vastly different situations. You know, guys coming out of the Dominican or, you know, Puerto Rico, no, not really Puerto Rico, especially Dominican or Venezuela or, you know, where you're making a, a pretty massive cultural adjustment. Often, you know, you've got years of getting stronger to have to do, you know, you're signing as a 16-year-old. Those guys can, can develop a little, not later by our standards, but later because they've already been in pro ball for four or five years. And Domingo Herman is a very good example of that. Um J.O. Barrios, you know, very impressive one inning coming coming in. J.P. Crawford, we you, you got to see a little bit. I, I'm that's probably was the first time that a lot of people ever have gotten to see J.P. Crawford play, uh, you know, on a national stage watching on if you know if you're watching on on TV, and it was a nice reminder, you know, stolen base, nice play on a double play, and just a reminder that when this current wave of shortstops all clears out, we're, that's the, probably the next guy. You know, he's not, you know, you're not going to put him in that Baez, Russell, Lindor group yet. But he's probably, you know, Raul Montesi's hoping to battle him for that title. But he's probably, those are the two guys who you're talking about as the next wave of young shortstops who, as they climb the ladder, you know, he's, he's in high, they're both in high A now. You know, when, when this group clears out, there's got to be a next wave of shortstops. Well, there's, J.P. Cropper's part of your next wave. Absolutely. He was, he was impressive in his stint, too. He got a hit, a, the hit that, uh was in advance of Gallo's home run. It was a 94 fastball that was bearing in on his hands that he was strong enough to fight off and bloop into to left center field. Played really good defense. I think he stole a bag. You know, that's good. And there's a guy who is shocked to be here, just stunned that he, he's had on the plane. He didn't click until he was on the plane right here that, oh, my goodness, I'm in the future game. This is his first full year. Yeah, this is – he's – I think he's 18. He started the year in low A and got moved to – because he tore it up and he got moved to high class A, and he's – getting better there but he everybody i talk to thinks he's got superstar potential uh dj peterson uh you know kind of gets lost in the you know hey okay it's bryant gallo and batting behind them dj peterson but he also again another guy who, who squared up some uh lined a double if i remember correctly yeah i'll correct myself that was off of that was off of severino he doubled yeah. off severino off the base of the, the left field wall what and... was your velo on that one 
Let's see. That was an 84 slider that hung. Yeah. So you, uh, you had that. Jesse Winker. You know, we talked him briefly, but Jesse Winker showed a really, a really pure swing, and he went oppo. Uh, nice little oppo double off the wall. Almost. I mean, it wasn't enough to get out of there, but it wasn't. He didn't miss it by much, and just looked really comfortable, and really kind of uh, stood out as another guy who who really impressed. His BP again. If you're, if you're in the same group of Gallo and you're hitting. He did say he made sure that Gallo hit after him. He said, I am not following that, which, smart man. No, I don't think there. I think there are very few people in the Major League home run every night who could follow that. You know, I, I but he he kind of, uh, you know, his his BP just showed a very pure stroke, just kind of everything you expect. He's one of the best hitting, he's been one of the best pure hitters in the minors. Um, and he showed what you expect with that, which is, is he has a very pure stroke. I Anyone else? I mean, Hunter Renfro showed got to show his arm from right field, which was he was accurate. He carried on a line. It was it, it was pretty impressive. Um, you know, anyone else? I, I don't you know I, I don't want to miss anyone that we really that kind of stood out that we kind of forgot about. I mean, everyone here here we could talk about in, in some way, shape, or form because that's what this game is. But uh, but you know, Tehran Guerrero, I do wish I'd got to see a little bit more of because uh, I, I'm interested in Tehran Guerrero. Although he is he is a reliever, but it still was interesting. Uh, but anyone else for you? I like Braden Chipley a lot. I mean, he was bringing high velocity, and there was a one really really good changeup he broke off that kind of I even in the stands I went whoa, <laughs> that was it was you know Bugs Bunny, and uh, after 96 mile an hour gas. That's hard to hit. That kind of, I'd never seen him before. I, I, you know, you don't get too many of the West Coast guys. You don't get your Jose Rondones. You don't get your Renato Nunez. Nice play by Jose Rondon on a backhand for at second base, yeah. which is not really his position. Especially considering, I believe he was shifted a little yeah. bit because he had to go like he had to run to St. Way. Paul to get that ball. <laughs> the Saints feel, you know, Saints say hi. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I, I will ask you that too. So we did uh, on. On Saturday night, we were in town, and you know already, you know, getting ready for the game. So we went over to the not as nice uh, Midway Stadium, as far as you know. Target Field's kind of beautiful. Uh, Mike Vec, the owner of the St. Paul Saints, has described uh, Midway Field as the uh, uh, one of the ugliest parks in uh, in the country. But what did you, you? That was your first St. Paul Saints experience. That was my first indie ball game. And what did you think? I, that's what I expected. It was it was all Burlington with a lot more seats. But I'm a simple man to please, and when I see a pig bringing out baseballs to the umpire, and then, as a reward, that pig gets to drink from a bottle of milk that the poor umpire has to hold, oh, you have me. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite, this is my second St. Paul Saints game, my favorite part, and maybe it was just me, but I, I kind of wandered around where I was sitting during the night just to kind of get the different experiences and all, and I sat in a one-bleacher section for the first couple of innings, and Coach came over, who was a, uh, it's a, a uh, you know, one of the employees, but he's dressed up in the 1980s PE coach garb. He's got the, the sweatshirt and the whistle and the mirrored sunglasses and the mustache and the hat and then the bike shorts, you know, that really only are, you know, like are issued to coaches and otherwise I don't think you're even allowed to wear them, which is not bad because they're heinous, and the striped socks. And he kind of guided, you know, the te- you know guided the section through the cheers and all and uh, mocked people and it was... It's just a, it's a truly different uh, uh, experience. The St. Paul Saints game is kind of a, a wonderful. There's a vibe to that crowd, which I'll be interested to see how that translates over to the new park they'll be going into next year. That'll be a story we'll have in Baseball America. 
uh, the ma- next issue of the magazine and also online before long. But um, it was very interesting to see. I, I always love getting back to a – I love Indy Ball, but getting back to a St. Paul Saints game. I mean, if you follow Indy Ball at all, which I don't know how many of the podcast listeners do, but if you do, that's really kind of hallowed ground in, uh, in Indy Ball circles because that's where Indy Ball really kind of proved that, hey, it, could, it had some staying power. But it's been a great trip, I feel like. You know, to Minneapolis has been a wonderfully uh, – pleasant and uh, friendly city. Uh, I feel like that they've kind of handled the handled the all-star festivities so far. We're heading out before, you know, most people, it gears up for most people. For us, it's kind of gearing down now. But uh, yeah, we've got I, the AAA all-star game this week. Right, we're coming back to go see the AAA all-star game in Durham, which we, I think we'll have pretty much the entire staff at. So uh, the, uh, the all-star week continues for us. But anything else that jumped out from this weekend? Uh, I mean, it's a... Not an hour and twenty minute or last like like last week, but uh, got a little less energy right now. I think. But uh, anything else that jumped out to you, Bear? No, I mean I think I think we pretty much covered it. Uh, it was a great time had by all. Uh, it was good to have you and John on, and uh, Ben Badler here. Four people here. It sounds like is much better than having two people here. But let's make the let's spread the workload out a little nicer. And oh, uh, let me compliment the Target Field people on the internet from heaven. I uploaded 28 minute, 28 videos of BP in about 25 minutes. At any other internet, that would have taken 25 hours. But I was just stunned, like slack-jawed, the same way I was at Gallo, at watching the little upload bar go, and just, it's done already. If you go to the Baseball America channel on the YouTube, you can watch a whole lot of BP and have some fun. Yes, absolutely. You can watch every participant in the, in the Futures game take batting practice. Both hand sides from uh, Josh Bell and I think from Lindor. Uh, so. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's something to check out. Well, forbear. This is JJ. We we thank you for the download. We will be back. We may be back later this week, depending on how it goes. But we will be back. If nothing else, we'll be back next week. And we always appreciate the downloads. We always appreciate all the questions we get and all. If you do have any questions, feel free to tweet us. He's J Norris four two seven. I'm JJ Coop thirty six. We're glad that you listened, and we will talk to you soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.